Hello, and welcome to The Confident Commit, the podcast for anyone who wants to join the conversation on how to deliver software faster and better. If you're looking to build a toasted ship, tune in less confidently committed. listening to episode 11 of season two. I'm your host, Rob Zuber, CTO of CircleCI. Today, I'm joined by Kim Lewandowski, founder of ChainGuard. Hey, Rob. I'm so excited. Kim, thanks for joining me. Hello. Uh, I'm super jazzed. Uh, I think the stuff that you're doing, both in terms of software supply chain, which we care a lot about here at CircleCI, I care a lot about personally, and security, uh, is fascinating. And so the intersection of those things, um, I'm super excited to learn about. I think that probably more people need to know about. So also happy to share it. So thanks so much for for taking the time. Yeah, awesome. Thanks for having me today. You bet. So let's let's jump right in. So tell me a little bit about, I guess, just chain guard in general and the specific sure. problem that you're trying to solve. As I said, I think the intersection is something that probably not a ton of people think about, but I kind of want them to because it's it's pretty fascinating and and obviously growing in uh Scary I ways. Say popularity, but that's <laughs> it's like the it's the kind of popularity that we don't want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 exactly. yeah totally. Sure. So uh yeah we started Chain Guard uh almost a year ago back in October. And so we're a new tech startup. There's actually five of us founders. We've grown the team pretty quickly. I think we're close to 50 people now, which is pretty crazy. And uh, we were previously all at Google, and we worked on a lot of different things, mostly in the developer tooling, cloud space, Kubernetes, all that good stuff. And then um, started to work on more CI, CD related stuff, similar to Circle CI, and then started to look at it with a security lens and uh, trying to help protect like Google from open source software and supply chain security risks. So then we all sort of came together last summer and said, hey, should we start a company? And we're like, yeah, let's do it. And then here we are a few, almost a year later. And so, yeah, when we talk about um, software supply chain security, it's, I mean, it's just a massive space right now. And, and when we think about software supply chain, it's all the way from when the code leaves the developer's keyboard till it lands in production, all the things that it's pulling in, all those dependencies, all the systems used to build it, like all those touch points. And yeah, the the reality is, is there's weaknesses along that entire chain and people are getting attacked and we're seeing huge upticks of attacks. So we're trying to make people's lives a bit easier here at ChainGuard. Yeah, got it. Well, that, uh, thank you. <laughs> As someone <laughs> whose life you're probably making easier. Um, do you think there's uh, something in particular that is driving the supply chain focus from a security perspective? Like, have other things gotten more secure or is it the complexity of, you know, all of the things that we're now building together to to build software or, or something else? Yeah. Like, is it a, a confluence of all of those factors? Yeah, I think it's a lot of a lot of those factors and just um, having like a term to, to define, to describe all these attacks that we're seeing. Now, I know, you know, just the pandemic, everyone moving to online, being forced to move to like online work environments and stuff meant there was a whole bunch more reliance on other vendored software, other open source software. And so I think like just, and, and of course, the movement to the cloud, I think all these new sort of touch points and, and complexity that we're adding to our systems and dependencies are just making um, the situation a bit more bleaker, a, a bit more uh, complex. So, uh, and, and like you said, I think we've, we've been doing a good job at 
at uh, getting better other types of attacks. Uh, the internet's all encrypted now with HTTPS and attackers are just looking for the easiest vector in um, to have massive impact. And so they're kind of taking some unique approaches to the software supply chain attacks and then having those attacks sort of proliferate in, in pretty impactful ways. Right. Yeah, that makes that makes a ton of sense. So we're this season, you know, of, of the show talking about failure a lot oh, fun. and learning from failure. And well, yeah, failure is fine. I mean, depends on how you reason about how it. You but learn. I, I love it because it's, it's, yeah, exactly. It's where all the learning is. But I think one of the challenges that people have in, in learning from failure is getting comfortable in the first place with failure. And I feel like security is one of the least comfortable places, partly because there's so much you know, fear, uncertainty, and doubt about what's going on in the world. And just, it yeah. feels so nerve wracking to think, oh, you know, someone's going to get into the system and steal something or whatever. So how do you, yeah. I guess, push that aside and kind of keep a rational focus and focus on just, you know, continuous improvement and getting better versus, you know, panicking yeah. the sky is falling and just going back to bed? <laughs> Great question. Um, we should probably just throw away all of our code. <laughs> We can, we can start there and just be done. <laughs> no, but, but really, Perfect. I think, uh, so, so yeah, at ChainGuard and, and I lead product and at Google, I lead product and product is figuring out, you know, kind of customer pain, pain points, challenges, and then going down and breaking down problems from there. So I think, yeah, it's kind of like the best place that I would start or how I would recommend people starting to think about this problem is like start thinking about the threat landscape and start breaking down, like from your organization, start breaking down the problem from there. Um, yeah, like I, I mentioned, I was at Google trying to help Google protect against um, open source supply chain, open source software. Um, and so they, it was a concerted effort. And, and I built like the team at Google with my, uh, who now CEO, um, to help look into the different risk happening just from purely from bringing in open source software. So that was one way we sort of broke down the problem um, at Google. But I think, you know, for a lot of organizations, like if, if you don't have your own house in order, if you don't feel comfortable about how, how your mm -hmm. own first party software is being built and shipped to production, if your developers are not using a Circle CI and just building something on their laptop in your machine, like there's a better place that you can start and start thinking about this. So I think that's what I would kind of say, just you got to start, you got to start somewhere, mm -hmm. you got to start looking at um, sort of your own risk assessment and then be able to break down the problem from there, see if you can prioritize that way. Uh, and yeah, and like you said, that we're never going to be perfect. Like security is never solved. I think this is a thing that's just going to keep coming up and people are going to panic. And like, like you said, I think we just all need to learn from it and just try to try to do better. I think what I, what I like about that perspective is it's kind of, it's just another software problem, right? Like yeah. what we've learned about almost everything in software in the last few decades is find a way to make it smaller, yeah. right? Take a first step. You're going to have improvement. That improvement will build to another improvement. You know, yeah. like you can't solve the whole thing at once. So just break it down, find ways to partition it and just start making progress. And one day you wake up and you're like, wow, we've made a ton of progress, but that yeah. first day doesn't feel necessarily great. So speaking of learning from failure, though, one of the things that, that I think is a bit different from the rest of software is often there's some some additional risk during investigation around security, like how we talk about it, what, you know, what we can tell to our customers. I've got an active thing, so I can't actually disclose because then someone else can take advantage of it. Does that yeah. change the way that you think about learning from, from security issues in particular? Yeah, I mean, that's a, a really interesting question, like especially when you think about proprietary software. 
or like where a vendor may not want to be fully transparent about what what went wrong. Um, and I think this is where, uh, I'm not sure if we talked about it on this podcast yet, where things like S-bombs that we call, like software bill of materials, mm. are going to start to get mm-hmm. really interesting uh, as they kind of take shape and, and, and uh, how people start using them and producing them. And what, what an S-bomb is, or software bill of materials, is basically a nutrition label that's supposed to you know, list out all the different pieces of software that are in this proprietary thing um, you're shipping. And this was something that came down through uh, the executive order that that um, company or organization selling to government will have to also supply like the software bill of materials. So I think that's like going to going to lift a little layer of transparency (laughs) around some of these things and make Mm -hmm. for some interesting uh, discussions going forward. And I think I think we're, that's pretty it's pretty new thing. So like even making sure that that data is accurate and <laughs> and, and usable is like a whole nother kind of discussion topic that um, that gets interesting. But I think you know as a consumer too of of vendored software or whatever, you're putting a certain amount of trust in these vendors, uh, and, and everything mm-hmm. isn't transparent or disclosed. And so I think uh, you, you're definitely you're trusting them. There's no real zero trust. You're putting your trust into them. Uh, to to kind of make sure all your data and things are are safeguarded. Um, but then on the flip side, like the open source pieces is like interesting too, because then you do have all that transparency. You can technically go look line by line at how an open source project comes together, but no one, no one on this planet is no. looking at every single code change or understanding how those open source packages got built or where the, you know, sometimes they can't even trace them back to where their even source code is coming from. So. Yeah. I, I mean, I think what's, what's great about that though, and like leaning into kind of what you're working on yeah. is that we will build tooling around these problems, right? Like if everyone has to build a software bill of materials, someone we'll do a great job of building the tool to generate that because none of us are capable of sitting down and doing it. And none of us want to spend our time doing that. On the other hand, with the good tooling, we will now know what's actually running inside of our systems, which I would, I would venture a large number of organizations don't, right? There's to your point, there's not one person who can reason about an entire system, even just their own internal systems in a lot of cases to be able to say, yeah, we're in good shape. So that tooling, I think will, will push us in a good direction um, and allow us to think a little bit more concretely, I guess, about, about everything that's in our system. Absolutely. I think the data along with the tooling, like the data, like that's, it's going to be huge. Like having this body of evidence of trusted data that we've never really had before. Like when we, talk about supply chain too, like no one's really capturing that data of how certain artifacts are sort of being built and, and having it to be transparent, especially around like open source software and things. So um, once, yeah, once we start getting like the tooling and all this trusted data that we can make better decisions on, I think we'll have like a lot, we, we would have made a lot more progress in this, in this problem space. So, you know, a lot of this is about external components, right? So supply chain could be, you know, people have internal supply chains, teams building things for other teams, but then also we're going to the outside. And I I would say, personally, I champion it. Many people do like, don't build all the things that don't differentiate you from your competitors. Focus your time and energy on what actually matters to you as a business, right? Like, I don't know, as a security organization, maybe you sat down and wrote your own HTTP (laughs) stack, but I'm guessing you just took one off the (laughs) shelf, right? Like it doesn't feel particularly differentiated. So 
So at that point, you know, we have all of this uh, advantage, right? We have the opportunity to build more advanced systems because we're building on top of things that have already been <laughs> figured out. But it also exposes us in a way and sort of as, as we're talking about, you know, one person being able to reason about the whole thing. Like, do you, do you think that this model has significantly changed our ability to reason about systems, meaning the model of supply chains and being able to get, you know, third-party services, libraries off the shelf? Um, and is that a, is it a positive or a negative or <laughs> sort of just something you do with caution? I mean, how, how do you think about the impact on overall system design? Yeah, um, let's see if I can get to to what you're going at here. But I think like just the like the uptick in software supply chain attacks, like I said, the new regulation coming down the pipeline, it's just it's uh, it's impossible for system designers and security execs of the world to to kind of ignore now. Um, I think it, it gives us like a, just a big opportunity for a lot of education in this space. And like you said, the developer tooling to, to kind of get a handle on this problem. Um, I think we, we have a good idea of like the work that needs to get done, but not, it's a lot of work and that someone's yeah. got to do it. Does that kind of get to the, well, I, I'm curious now, like, so, so you, you have an idea Right. And you're talking about education. Well, so yeah. what I'm interested in is like the average developer, right. Can now say, wow, I could build this entire, you know, platform that I'm conceiving of yeah. by taking one of these and one of these and one of these and gluing them together with like a little bit of TypeScript or whatever. Yeah. And now I can sign up a hundred million users who are now all using my service that I don't even understand. I don't know who yeah. built these components. I don't know whether they're secure, whatever. And so is the work, I guess is the hard work. Yeah. This wasn't this wasn't where I was going, but now I'm super fascinated <laughs> by it. Is the is the hard work actually figuring out whether the system is secure or yeah. is it in educating developers about <laughs> the kinds of risks that they're taking yeah. by pulling all these pieces together in order to get them to do the what might be an easy check, like, hey, is this secure or not? Yeah. I mean I think it's I think it's all of the above, but probably starting with the education piece, like just basic thing like what's happening when you're taking that random http stack off the internet uh are you sure you got the right package <laughs> um and just yeah. and, and so i think it, and i was a developer once before i moved over to product land and i even studied security in school and hadoop was one of the big open source projects that i got started using back when there wasn't very many developers and i actually worked at a, a nuclear research lab I, I downloaded a tube, not thinking, not thinking twice about it. Uh, luckily, we we're in, you know, isolated, yeah, <laughs> isolated environments I like, I like, and everything. But like, yeah. I, I mean, even though I studied security in school, it was like a lot of theoretical stuff. And I just didn't apply it like kind of the right, you know, when I for my day to day life, just trying to get features out the door as a developer. So um, and developers today, like, I don't know how much like that shifted, the mentality shifted where if I'm trying to build something today, am I thinking about any of that thing when I go pull off an open source package or something? Like, how healthy is it? Like, who's the maintainer behind it? Well, you know what? So you, you said something in there that was super interesting, and it ties back to something you said, like you mentioned Zero Trust previously, and then said, hey, I worked okay. in this nuclear facility, whatever, <laughs> I'm mildly nervous, but but... I, it didn't matter that I, my behavior was, you know, unchecked because I was yeah. in a sandbox where I couldn't cause any harm. And so, you know, we could spend 
our lifetimes trying to educate every developer that ever touches software yeah. about all the potential security risks, but none of them are going to be experts. Well, maybe a few of them will be experts, right? Sure. And we're at this place like in DevOps, and now it's like DevSecOps and DevSec marketing, <laughs> revenue ops. You're like, <laughs> just do it all. <laughs> develop like as a developer i'm like i just want to build a website but i have to be responsible for understanding everything it's too much right so now are we expecting one person to understand everything or can we build a system right that prevent basically makes it impossible i can download libraries off the internet and if they're not good they're not going to go into production they're going to get stopped somehow and yeah is that i mean I mean, That's the direction we're heading with, like, with, yeah, tra- <laughs> with ChainGuard. I mean, uh, again, we're a new company, but our mission is to make the software supply chain um, secure by default. We, we all have developer right. kind of tooling backgrounds. And and again, back to the de- developer tooling stuff, if we don't make this stuff easy to use, like no developer is going to use it. And so I think that's really what we're trying to, to strive for um, in our solutions and as a company. Um, and then and then just help with that education piece. Like, this is why, this is the thing that you should care about. Here's the attacks that we've seen in the wild. Like, here's here's a way that you can kind of harden that system or think about this a little bit differently. So, but like I said, I, I think we said in the beginning, there's no complete bulletproof solution here. I think it's a lot of the defense and depth mechanism with security mm-hmm. in general. So we can help developers do a little bit better job. Like MFA is a great example right now. We're trying to, there's community effort to try to get, um, maintainers of very popular open source projects is to have multi-factor authentication and it's a little bit more friction but shouldn't be enough friction where people are, are kind of pushing back on um and doing that yeah there's the the whole point about making it easy for developers i i mentioned before we started that i was i drove into the city yesterday but i live in oakland yeah. the city to me is san francisco i don't know if people listening to this know that Anyway, giant billboards on the 101, which is like everybody's sign that they've arrived, right? For sneak and like shout out to our friends there, different area of security, but, you know, loved by security folks and loved by developers. Like their phrasing is better and now they're going to be sad because I can't remember the exact expression, but, <laughs> but that is really what set them apart from so much security tooling, right? Which is what you're yeah. describing, building something that developers are happy to use. The friction is super low and they're like, oh, if that's what it takes to be secure, I'll totally do that. Because the yeah. cost to me is very low and I see the value as being high. When it's like, oh, we need you to do this, go fill out this spreadsheet and like integrate all these 15 different tools. People are like, uh, I don't have time for that, right? So yep. I think getting into the developer flow in a way that allows them to, to your point, have sort of default secure supply chain without putting all the burden on them to understand it or to do a bunch of work really feels like the sweet spot that we're starting to understand now. Like make yep. it easy to do the right thing. Yep. I, yeah. Yep. And I think it that make it easy to do the right thing and just a little bit of education. So they like understand mm-hmm. it and want to do the right thing. And right. Yeah. <laughs> a great thing about security is you just need like one horror story, right? <laughs> like just, just help them understand one thing that went horribly wrong. And you'd be like, okay, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm listening. I'm motivated enough yeah. to try it if it's really easy. Um, and my goodness, there are so many good ones out there. Um, yeah. The thing about about open source that I find particularly <clears throat> interesting, just to, to tag on that for a second, mm-hmm. you mentioned like the friction is, I think this is true for me. I actually recently read this book, uh, Working in Public, um, which is about you know open source and open source models. And it really helped me mm-hmm. understand 
all of the different models of open source that are out there and <laughs> in terms of the community structures and how people contribute and the work that gets done and the individual yeah. heroes who are you know carrying entire projects and, and so whenever i hear that oh it won't be a lot of extra friction for them i'm just like oh I yeah. just, I feel so much empathy and so much pain on their behalf yeah. in general for the things yep. they're trying to do. That was like, I started out one day and I just thought it'd be fun to build this thing. And now I'm supporting half of the internet and like, I really wish I could have a vacation. Um, and so yeah. I love that notion. I, I think maybe it's, it's on the rest of us. I'll it's shout out to listeners, like see how you can contribute by maybe helping implement MFA for them. Maybe that's a thing that people could do to contribute to open source projects when they don't even understand the the project, right? Is yeah, help one, them yeah. deal with some of the, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. I was just going to, just going to pile on there. Like organizations that are relying on open source software and not doing any contributions back, like, come on. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's not surprising, I guess, if you go, if you follow that thread all the way back, mm -hmm. that this is a source of problems, right? That there are, you know, gaps in security and in, in the open source libraries that we're picking up because yeah. the originators have walked away and give it to someone else or because they haven't implemented best practices everywhere because they're just trying to keep the thing running and like deal yeah. with all the, you know, random PRs that they're getting, et cetera. So it's, it's a tough, we're, we're so dependent yeah. across the entire software ecosystem on, on people who in many cases, yeah, are very much unsung heroes. Yeah. And don't be mean to those people because they're, <laughs> It's, right. not their, it's not always their fault. <laughs> their their uh, volunteer well, work right. made your app to cry, you know. <laughs> well, I mean, what a great takeaway and all that. Like, if we could start somewhere, be a decent human being. And then we'll start, like, yeah. we'll tack on top of that. Like, maybe contribute exactly. some time, <laughs> contribute some energy, whatever. But, like, let's just start by being nice be, be to nice. people who have done, like, amazing things to help us all get further along in, in the stuff exactly. that we're doing. Awesome. Well, um, so now's the time. I, I'm, it's it's story time. So red oh build boy. rewind. I I, uh, I mean I just said not <clears throat> not to set you up or anything, but I just said there's so many awesome horrifying security <laughs> stories. So I'm kind of <laughs> hoping I get one. But um, can you tell me about a time that that you experienced a failure, maybe felt catastrophic in the moment, but ultimately taught you a valuable lesson and is something that you've been able to carry with you? <laughs> Yeah, uh, probably not the most fun story. Definitely not that security related, but I do have one from from my time at Google. Um, I, I spearheaded a whole new, I was working for Google Cloud and I spearheaded a whole new um, product, an email API, because customers wanted to be able to send and receive email. Imagine that. <laughs> so I said, Google should be able to do that. Um, you know, customers are asking for it. Um, I poured my heart and soul into that product. I got the customer demand. I did all the things that I thought I needed to do. I got exec sponsorship. I built a team. Um, we had new execs. I had to repitch why we're doing this, you know, all the, all the big company stuff. I had got an alpha out the door, got feedback, got, got good, good feedback and usage. Um, we, we, uh, we took time for that feedback, try to try to do some more, like try to change the API, try to do some things right. And then two weeks before pushing that out the door publicly, exec says we're canceling this project. And, and so, and I, I mean, it just, it stung, <laughs> it stung for her for a while. And I guess, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it may not be the best takeaway that people like want to hear, but like, especially as a product person or building a company, like, listen to your gut, listen to what the customers are asking for. You may have to navigate 
different situations and strategic ways and, and just get the, get the thing out the door. Uh, I think I know I learned a, a bit more about execution. Like it's not, mm. can't always push out the most polished thing in the world. You just gotta, gotta push out things, gotta make security a little bit better and keep on iterating and keep on moving forward. So I think that was one of the big valuable lessons for me that you kind of, you see this happen, you know, time and time again, that people sort of pour a lot of time into projects and products at their companies and stuff and ultimately ends up not working out. I think those are hard moments. Yes. But as we <laughs> have been focusing on for so long, and as we've been talking about for the last, uh, you know, 20 plus minutes, these are the opportunities to learn, right? If it, if it weren't for right. that, I mean, it's, it's going to happen at some point, I guess, in the earlier and sort of smaller impact you know, cycles that you can learn some of these things in the better positioned you are, you know, puts you in a fan, like to put my happy, positive spin on it, puts you in a fantastic position to go start something and really exactly. be focused on that, right? Like focused on, on execution, focused on what's the smallest piece of work that I can do. How fast can I learn? You know, that yeah. sounds interesting. Can we do it in a quarter of the time? My, uh, speaking of Google, my, when I talk to, you know, people starting companies and startups and stuff, my answer is almost always, or my first question is, can you do that with a Google sheet? Like without building any product at all, like can you just build a spreadsheet and email some people yeah, yeah. and see if they care? You know, exactly. like what is the absolute, and you know, it's like, well, what, yeah. what tech stack should we use? I'm like, you're thinking about the wrong problem. Like what is the yeah. absolute, you should be able to have an answer by this afternoon about whether you're on the right track or not. Build some, yeah. you know, some landing pages, whatever that might be. Um, and to learn that on someone else's dime, and I don't mind saying that because I'm pretty sure Google has a few of my dimes and <laughs> they can afford to lose a few like that's great right it's a great opportunity sure. to have awesome well yeah. thank you for sharing that hopefully some folks yeah. will take that away and they can skip <laughs> going through the process <laughs> skip <themselves>. some pain <laughs> awesome. awesome awesome well thank you thank you so much for joining thanks everyone for listening um if you enjoyed the podcast if you enjoy what we're talking about subscribe on your podcast provider of choice if there's anybody you want us to talk to anything you want us to talk about find us on twitter at circle ci Kim, thanks again for joining me. I appreciate you sharing all of your wisdom. Awesome. Thanks for having me.